Good morning, Rock Bible Church. No, not going to cut it. Have you seen the decorations? Let's try it again. Hey, good morning, Rock Bible Church. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Hey, uh, very exciting this morning. Uh, singing and then uh, Christmas carol and the decorations. I started, I was like, Santa's got to be around here somewhere. I was looking for him. Um, I hope you're excited. And because uh, th- this is kind of the, the beginning of the season where we get to say things like, Merry Christmas. Man, you guys are struggling today, right? Okay, let's try that again. Ready? Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Christmas. You can't have a happy holiday without a Merry Christmas, okay? So uh, please start um, inserting that in your greetings and your exits. You know, Merry Christmas. Uh, You can throw a Happy New Year in there if you want, Um, but we need to start looking for... um, Well, like I joked, you see all the decorations and you say, oh, Santa's got to be around here. You're walking around looking for Santa. Um, We got to be walking around looking for Jesus and looking to insert him in our conversations and make sure people understand the reason for our season, what we're doing and why we're doing it. So uh, thanks, Baldwins, for uh, reading this morning, getting our our Advent season kicked off just right. Uh, Looking forward to seeing a bunch of you out there. I know it might be a little bit scary, but it's not. It's great. Um, so let's let's see if we can get those filled in today and be all set for the season. Um, and then there is another announcement. Uh, men, we're back up and running. Okay, so Monday night we'll be here at 7 o'clock. Uh, Wednesday morning we'll be here at 6 a.m. So we took last week off. Just want to make sure you know we will be back this week and uh, look forward to seeing you at that. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I, I wanted to say something, I, you know, I was joking around a little bit last week, but I did want to say uh, women's tea, that's worth doing. That's a, that's a big deal. Uh, I was talking about that with someone this week and the idea that, um, you know, what, what do, oh, do we get as a church when we have a strong women's ministry, uh, strong women, believing women uh, who are trying to follow the Lord and the consistency of that ministry over the years, uh, most consistent ministry we've had in in the history of RBC. Um, and so we just want to honor you guys and uh, sign up. I mean, there's a ton of people signed up. I was looking at the sheet earlier this morning. It, there's a bunch of people going already. Um, so really, uh, next Saturday at, at 1 o'clock, there's nothing to be doing. If you're not at the tea, you're actually missing out. So please uh, come and join and uh, enjoy the... The decor, the hot tea, the relationships, the speaker. Um, it's important for us not just to look for Jesus uh, in this season, but to take time out of the crazy, the busy, the schedule, the money, the purchasing, the wrapping, all that stuff. Take moments out where we reset and get us back on the, on the road um, to Calvary. Amen. Amen. Welcome, Rock Bible Church. We are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, being a community that serves the greater community. Amen? Boy, that last one, we're, we're, we're maxing that one out. Seven announcements, all the different things, the places to donate, places to serve. Um, we've got a children's program coming up that we haven't even talked about. I mean, so many different things. Uh, and it's a great reminder of why we're here and, uh, and what's possible. And I say that because it ties into the lesson this morning of what's possible. Uh, we have to learn how to believe. We have to learn faith. In fact, that's what Paul's going to say as he ends his letter to the church at Philippi. He's going to say, eh, I've learned some things, uh, implying that we need to learn them as well. So we're going to jump into that. Uh, We're going to be Philippians chapter 4 this morning, verses uh, 10 through 23. Um, But let's pray, and then we'll hit the ground running. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for all the things that were announced and that we've prayed for, opportunities that we have, the season that's coming up, and how all of them tie back to you. Uh, Sometimes 
in obvious ways, sometimes in subtle. Um, but may we be reminded at all times um, that we follow you and that you provide for us. And may that be a big piece of our holiday season. So, uh, Lord, be with us in this time as we uh, finish up this series and as we look at this passage. Uh, may it glorify and honor your Son to the riches that are in your Son. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Paul, uh, four chapters in his letter. We're at the very last few verses. Uh, remember, he's writing to a church. So there's, there's a little, um, little, little kind of like salutationist uh, send-off right here at the end of the letter. But there's some nuggets in there. Well, I should say, and there's some nuggets in there that I want to make sure we catch. Um, in fact, there's more than we can cover today. Amen? We never cover it on a Sunday, do we? Say no. I mean, I, I know you want to be nice, but there's always more. That's why we, we, we actually teach on passages more than once in the history of the church, because the second time you get more through it, right? Um, but let's get going. Verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. And so uh, Paul has had a relationship with this church, and somehow something has been brought back to life in how they're caring for Paul. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. He says, you, you know, I, I've been uh, struggling. He's in jail. He's also sick. Um, he's at distance from most of his resources. Uh, what we're going to find out is all of the other churches have stopped sending him support, and he's kind of been on his own. Church at Philippi figured out how to get him some support. Now, it doesn't say what it is. In fact, Paul makes no effort to give detail as to what the gifts were, because for him, that was not the point. The point was that he had people that still cared about him and did something to make it happen. Uh, showed some kind of physical support. Um, and he's saying, this is not about my need. Right? Watch what he says, verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need. Is Paul different than everybody else? Some of you are smiling and laughing and don't want to answer that. Everybody talks about their own need. How often are we focused on something outside of our own need. You ever walk up to somebody and say, hey, how you doing? And they start into it. Well, you know, it's been a long week. You know, my daughter had surgery and you know, my, my, grandma, my mother-in-law went to the hospital too. And I don't know. And I had to cook and I had blah, 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 blah. And, and who are they talking about? Themselves. Even if like mother-in-law's in the description or daughter's in the description or the people you're feeding when you're doing the cooker are in the description, who are they really talking about? Themselves right? It's hard to find people who speak beyond their own need. And Paul says he's learned how not to do that. He's not speaking of being in need. Now watch this. For I have learned, there's our word. Get out your uh, outline, look at the top. Uh, it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 23. It says, learning to believe. And this is where we got the learning part for this title. For I have learned, uh, how is it that Paul has learned anything? I thought he was perfect at this point. He's written 13 of the books in the New Testament, uh, a Pharisee. He's, been, he's studied. He should know everything at this point. How is it that he's still learning? Apparently, there's something in our human condition that is never solved. We're, we're always at least a little bit short on everything. And Paul is continuing to learn. You know, in education, they have this phrase, they call them lifelong learners. It's become the sing-songy phrase. And it's too bad because it's a great phrase. If we could take the repetition out of it so that it could re retain its meaning, its value, to be a lifelong learner uh, means you've never arrived and you're, you're going to continue to put in effort. Um, you're going to continue to try. Paul is continuing to try, avoiding his own need, and that in whatever situation, I, I'm, I'm going to stop at the end of this sentence. I'm not going to say the last word. It's going to be the interactive portion of the moment 
morning, and you're going to get to say the word out loud, okay? That's a total commercial. It's, I'm totally giving it away, okay? Because we're going to do this for effect, all right? I have learned in whatever situation, I am to be... Look at that. Good job. I'm to be what? Oh, say it a third time. Ah, what is that? That means you have a tent. I am content, Spanish and English mixed. I have a tent with tent. What, what does content mean? You see, this is the problem, folks. We don't know what content means, right? I hope there's somebody at home watching this on YouTube, like yelling the answer at the screen, okay? Does it have to do with satisfaction? Does do contentment and satisfaction, are they like related? Are they from the fa same family? Yeah. To have satisfaction in anything is what Paul's saying. And now watch, he's going to qualify it, okay? And this is super important because we are dissatisfied with almost everything as a culture. As humans, we are grumpy, we complain, uh, we write critiques, uh, we send out emails, we post. Most of the time it's negative, and we love the fact that negative stuff travels seven times faster than positive stuff, right? Reference any media source ever, right? What has he, he, he learned, though? I know, verse 12. He's learned, and then he says, and this is what I know from my learning. How to be brought low. Can we put that in modern-day terms? Like, I know how to be brought low. Where's Shakespeare? Is he in the room? <laughs> no, how would we say that today on the street or after a game, per se? Game just end. I know how to... Somebody said it. I know how to lose. Do you know how to lose? That's like a major art. It's such a learned skill to be bested by another team and walk off the field with your head high with the little class instead of grumbling and yelling and throwing stuff and kicking the water bucket and complaining about your coach and taking it out on mom. He knows how to lose. What's that take? How do you lose and still win? How can you be satisfied or content in the midst of a loss? When something's taken from you, how you learn how to be content in the midst of a loss, you know, all of a sudden, they're gone, and mom's not here anymore. Suddenly, last Saturday. Now, how do you deal with that? How do you learn how to be content when you're brought low in that moment? That's in the church, Rock Bible Church. That's what I'm dealing with this week. We have someone lost their mom on Saturday. Surprise. He says, I know how to handle that. You know how to handle that? Because I think I'm still learning. I'm, I, I doubt that I'm in the I know part. I think I'm still in the learning part above it. I, mean, I can lose a soccer game. That's easy, right? Uh, my family is starting to learn, like, how do you learn to lose the function of your back or the uh, effectiveness of your heart? Those kind of things. How do you deal with that? How's the family come around? This, this, this one hurts a little bit. For me this week, I know how to be brought low. He says it so quickly. And I know how to abound. All right, let's rephrase that one. I know how to abound. Is that abounding? Am I abounding? I'm abounding? Like I'm a deer now. Um, how do you know how to abound? Say it in, some, in a language where someone wouldn't look at you funny on the street. I know how to win, okay. That's pretty good. It's not the one. It, it's good. It's good. It's different than the one I'm looking for. I know how to party. How about that? Do you guys party Thursday? How'd it go? Was there drama? Did anybody leave the house upset? You know, was it get weird? Or did, did everybody bring something? Like, do you know how to get along with people and make it fun? How's the room do when you enter? There's a question. 
Do you know how to enjoy, be happy, regardless of what's going on? The smallest Thanksgiving family dinner, I think, in the history of the Berglund family, at least in the last 30 years that I can tell. We had a great time. You got to learn how to do that. Being happy is a decision. Feelings are a choice. In any and every circumstance, how many circumstances? Every scenario, all? What? I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. What did he call facing plenty and hunger? It's right before it, two words before facing plenty and hunger. It is, it's a secret. Why would he call this process a secret? Because it's uncommon? Because you fail to see it regularly in community, in culture, on TV? Every time, anytime you see something like this, it's like a Christmas movie, right? Where you thought everything was going to go poorly, and at the very end, they're reunited, and everything's good, and Johnny made it home for Christmas. Why is it so appealing? Because it's so rare. Paul's saying, let's stop that being rare. Let's have that be regular. In fact, this kind of implies that it's possible. Isn't he implying that you can be happy in any and every circumstance, that you can figure out, even when things are low, how to be high? When things are bad, you can look at them as good. You can be an optimist. You can put away your pessimism and all that kind of stuff. Is this possible? To do the secret of facing plenty and hunger at the same time? You can know those secrets. Is that a promise from God? It is. I mean, Bill gave us an amen, so we must, we must be on tar target somewhere. Amen? amen? There you go. Good thing we got Bill. Uh, he's, he's learned how to deal with abundance and need. <laughs> Some of us are like, wait, abundance is a problem? Yeah, it can be, right? Too many responsibilities. And then that, that, that dirty little four-letter word, need. Need. He says, I know how to deal with abundance and want. Is that what he said? He said need rather than want. Or is want different than need? Say yes, huh? We have a lot of wants. I have a want. I see them all the time. I don't know what it is. I think God is torturing me. These Tesla SUVs. In Pleasanton, they're everywhere. I think people are parking them on my street on purpose just to torment me. That is a want, yeah? Are you sure it's not a need? Because I would love for it to be a need. It's close to a need. Yet it falls drastically short. Uh, a Tesla is never a need. It's a want. Paul says, I, I know what it's like to need in jail, sick, alone. Does he have a list of wants? Absolutely. Uh, you know when your list of wants loses its value? Your list of wants loses its value when your list of needs becomes great. When your list of needs are in question or at risk, all of a sudden the wants go out the window. Car? Who cares about a car? I want to figure out how I'm paying the rent this month. You know, do I have a car? Wait, I want to make sure so-and-so lives. Paul, Paul started redefining what is abundance, what is need, what is want, and he's dabbling into what are promises? What are God's promises? How do I be satisfied in any of these things? Because uh, uh, life is hard, right? And then you, then you die, right? <laughs> Why is that a phrase that everybody knows? Life's hard, and then you die. Well, thank you very little. 
right? Welcome to Bummer Sunday. Um, why, why is that so known, that phrase? Someone just said it. Starts with T, ends with two, has an R in the middle, kind of. It's true. Life's difficult. James says, in this life, you will have trouble, right? Consider it joy when you encounter various trials. It will go poorly if you define poorly a certain way. Watch how Paul defines it. I love this verse. I use this verse and abuse this verse as much as possible. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I, at my house, <clears throat> we have, um, there's, there's a couple of ladies that live in my house who like to ask me for things. Hey, can you take out the trash? Hey, can you take the dog out? Hey, can you go get something out of the garage? Um, when I'm in a playful, fun mood, and I know I'm going to go do it, what do I say? I say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then I go off and take out the trash. Just to be fun, right? Um, why do I do that? Because you're mean and you don't like women and you're trying to tease the women in your house. No. I'm doing a little mental exercise for myself. Do I want to take out the trash? Do I want to take the dog out? All of these things are like, they're things where it's like, oh, I was watching the game. We're in the middle of the game, and she has the ability to ask me for something on fourth down when they're going for it. <laughs> We're one yard away from the first down, and you want something from the garage? Pause. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I say it at them to have a little fun because I've learned how to abound. Right? What is that verse about? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, I, I inserted Christ in there. It says him, but uh, Jesus and I don't do pronouns too often, if you know what I mean. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does that mean? This is the interactive portion of the morning. Do, 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 do. What does that mean? Um, Scott, is this a trick question? Because the sentence seems pretty straightforward. How many things can you do? And who's doing them? No, no, I. Who's doing them? I am, we are, okay? And you can do all things. And uh, who's going to promise that? Christ promised that? And how's he going to do it? Oh, wait, he's not going to do it for me? I Shouldn't it say I can do all things through him who does it for me? That would be so much better. I would love that verse. I kind of don't like this verse. Why? Because what's retained in the verse? There's so many great promises in this verse, and yet at the same time, there's a bummer in it. What's retained in this? You still got to do it. <laughs> you still got to go to the garage. And carry that box in, right? If you want to, we want to freak out about having to carry a heavy box from the garage, shame on you. Because you haven't learned how to be low. If you can learn how to abound, you know that when the box get inside, the decorations come out, and the house looks like Christmas, Right? We've got to learn how to do these things um, because most of the time, this is going to be a question, not a statement. I can do all things? Because what will we have? We'll have doubt. We'll have that other dirty four-letter F word. Rhymes with ear and starts with an F. Fear. Doubt, fear. And then doubt and fear lead to stationary. And silent. You ever heard, well, they don't try because they don't want to fail. If I don't try, I can't fail. 
uh, I tell my boys on the soccer field, we started tryouts uh, two weeks ago. This week was off because it's family and it's holiday, and they're supposed to do that, right? Because there's more to life than soccer. Amen? Great. I've said it more than 100 times publicly. Um, one of you out there is a liar. I'm pretty sure his name is Dave. <coughs> That's okay. That's right. We're, getting, we're trying to get him to move back to his family because he's got a few priorities mixed up, right? He thinks soccer's everything, and he thinks he should live a state away from his family. I mean, come on. Let's go, Papura. Um, no, I tell the boys, I, uh, if you're stationary and silent, that, that's a problem. You're coming off the field. If you're a player on the team, you got a uniform, you got cleats, and I said sub in, and you're supposed to play outside back or right mid or forward or whatever it is, and you're out on the field, it's an active participation sport, right? The team sport and you're stationary and silent, well, there's only one thing that will happen for sure. Most common phrase in soccer of all time, and it's just becoming more and more common. Happens more than any other phrase in soccer. Anybody know what it is? Sub, Sub ref. Sub. Need a substitute. Stop the game. We're, we're going to, 22 people playing a game. Great game. We have to stop that whole thing. Why? Because Nimrod needs to come off the field. Bozo is stationary and silent. It can't do that. Uh, why do I tell that story? Uh, might it be because that's true about our relationship with the Lord? Our spirituality? Our religion? Christ has done the need for us. But he's yet to do everything for us because some of the things he's retained in the sentence, I get to do them. Now, I can. doesn't say I will. It says I will do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What would that imply? It's going to happen, and I have no choice, and I've got puppets like Pinocchio, and he's going to control me. Nope. Kind of weird, the God of control of all things does not control you. He says, you can, don't have to. But he's retained, uh, you've got to do it, and he's retained your choice. Wow. Uh, most people doubt and lack effort and lack try because they don't want to do it. They doubt it'll happen. So they don't apply for that job. They don't apply for that school. They don't report in when they could. They don't communicate to the family when they should. And uh, all of that stuff starts to fall apart. Well, it wasn't going to work anyways. There's another phrase that fits there that everybody knows. All right? I'm going to start it. You're going to finish it. Ready? Self-fulfilling Self -fulfilling prophecy. It's one of the truest things in sports and life and your family. And it's mostly true in your head and in your heart. If you could believe that you could do all things through him who strengthens you, what could you accomplish? So much. That's a better answer than the one I was going for. So we're just going to go with so much. Okay? We're going with so much. Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. He says, I'm fine, I'll be fine, yet you helped me anyways. Pretty cool for his perspective for him, also pretty per cool for their perspective of him. He's trying and they're trying. That sounds like a good equation, let's do that. It was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving. Ooh, except only you. He had zero support except for one church, and apparently they had trouble getting stuff to him. So how many churches of support functionally did he have in the beginning? Zero. He knows how to be brought low. Did he do it anyways? He sure did. Did it so well, he got jailed for it. Worked so hard, overworked, probably his body got sick because he was working so hard. Doing it. 
This is a guy who believed verse 13, and so 14, 15, 16 happened, right? Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Uh, keep going for us, 17. Not that I seek the gift, which boy, that's different than culture. Ooh, what a rough phrase going into Christmas, right? Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. What, what comes out of the gift? Hey, know this, um, as we head into um, giving season of massive materialism, tongue-in-cheek, sarcasm intended, uh, the relationship that the gifts go between is much more valuable than any gift you could give. We've got to remember that. That's what Paul's talking about here, is that the fact that we're still in relationship, your church and I, I care less about the gift, but there's fruit that's going to come out of that. He's going to be able to better continue doing ministry and they're getting the right perspective of how they pursue their purpose as a church. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. I have received from Epaphrodites the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Wow, I thought it was just a gift. And Paul's like, no, it was a fragrant offering a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. Is he excited? Yeah. Um, can your gifts and your effort do more than you think? Yeah? I'm going to force you guys to spend family fun time with Bill if you don't start answering like him <laughs> more often. Okay? Yes, your gifts go way beyond what you think they can do. Verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours. What? And my God will supply every need of yours? Looks like I'm getting a Tesla. Yes! Oh, wait. It says need rather than want. And my God will supply every need of yours. Is that a promise? Ooh. There's a promise of you can be happy. You can choose how you approach things your perspective, whether low or high. You can do all things through him and the strength he gives you. That's a promise. And then we get a promise here. He's going to meet your needs? Wow. Hold on, there's a caveat. In fact, in all the promises, there's always a caveat, right? He will meet every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. When he meets your needs, what's the purpose? Glorify Christ Jesus. Now, if you're not going to glorify Christ, you might be in trouble as to whether he meets your needs. Uh, are there humans in existence or previously existed who lacked all of their needs being met? Has that happened before? Yes. Were they in good standing with God or in poor standing with God? Generally. Poor standing. Right? There's something about our relationship with the Lord where God says, yeah, I'm going to fuel that. I'm going to keep you in the game. Not subbing them out. In fact, I'm going to meet their needs. I'm going to give them strength. I'm going to let them accomplish things. I'm going to teach them how to be happy. I'm going to show them the promises that I make. Whoa. See, the sentence does not end after yours there. And God will supply every need of yours period. No. It says according to. That means there's a reason and there's a function, a form in how he will meet needs. And it's in the glory of Christ Jesus. And that's when you're going to see his riches come out. Because when you're following him and you're doing it, uh, is everything going to get fixed right away instantaneously? Snap of a finger? No. But he meets our needs. Over time, in ways that are best for us. 
The problem is time is usually in the equation somewhere and it's beyond our understanding until later. That's rough. But how can you believe that? You can believe that it meets all of our needs because of the cross. Because he said, look what I can do. I can solve your sin. I can solve death. I can solve who's in control. I can solve all of it. And then he did. The question is, what do we want to trust him for? And how much do you want to believe that he's still in the game? Right? To our God, verse 20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Why is he so excited? Amen? Amen. All right, good. Why is he so excited? He just got three promises, at least. We could dig out more another time. Uh, and the, but then, and then his, his final uh, send-off. Here we go, verse 21. Uh, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you. Especially those of Caesar's household. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What seems a little bit like Sesame Street in those last few sentences? There's, there's one thing in there that's not like the others, right? Which I'm starting to think. I should have skipped seminary and I just should have watched more Sesame. Because this is where we're going to learn this here. Uh, what's missing? What, what Not missing. What, what's in there that's kind of like weird? It's like a... It's definitely not in any other books in the Bible. Yeah, what's the deal with Caesar? We've been talking about Jesus for four chapters. One big old nice letter. All these promises and our perspectives and how do we shine as a light and work out our salvation and all these great concepts. And then all of a sudden it says, all the saints greet you. And not just and those of Caesar's house, but especially those of Caesar's household. What's going on there? The saints, yeah, the saints of Caesar's household, right? Yeah. Who's Caesar? Oh, come on, people. Who's Caesar? Who was Caesar? Oh, he trains dogs and has a couple shows. No, who's Caesar? He's a ruler or emperor of Roman Empire. Okay. Man, I hope Second Service gets that faster. Okay, where's Paul in jail? Rome, okay. He's in jail for what? Being a saint, being a Christian, in a country where he's imprisoned, where the head leader of that country who's imprisoned him for being a Christian has what? Infesting his house already. Christians. Folks, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's hilarious. Um, let's make it even better. Um, what, what is the religion of all of Italy? Rome is the capital of Italy. Okay. What, what is the religion of Italy? It has a formal name, right? The Roman Catholic Church. Right? That's like the, that's like the, the Costco of religions, right? I'm not sure what that means, but we're not gonna, we're gonna stop that, that analogy right there, okay? And today, the head of the Roman Catholic Church, we call him what? The Pope? Where's he hang out? Don't say the Vatican. The Vatican's where? In Rome. This is foreshadowing, folks. This is hilarity. Comedy, irony. Hey, there's believers, there's saints, even in Caesar's household. It works. Are all things possible through him who gives you strength? Right? Paul's going to get out of jail. Not only is he going to get out of jail, Caesar is going to proclaim that Christianity is the new state religion. Wow. Little teeny little nugget hiding in there. 
little pee with the princess right there. Just hidden under the mattress for us to enjoy now. In the chapter about what's possible, what promises does he give us? Uh, Wow, belief is learned, isn't it? And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? And may the Lord bless the reading of the whole book. All right, this is the end of Philippians. Let's look at a couple of things. How do you learn or what do you learn uh, when you believe? First is this. Um, Contentment is more about you than your situation. Contentment is more about you than your situation. Now that's a good first step. What's a truer statement than that? Contentment is more about, I'm at church and I'm asking a question. Contentment is more about Jesus than your situation. There's two ways to write that. Above the line, you write you. Below the line, you write Jesus. Why? Because he's the common denominator. You like that one, Tompkins? Um, what's this saying? This is saying that we usually we have it backwards. We have it backwards. Our situation gets prime billing. Our situation's on the front page, the front burner. Situation occupies um, our mind and our nerves and our emotions, and we think it's driving. You need to kick situation to the curb, or at least throw it in the back of the truck, and you start driving. Maybe you run shotgun and let Jesus drive, if, that, if you want to look at it that way. Um, you both need to be in the cab, though. All right? I'm going to say you're driving, and Jesus is shotgun because he says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Right? So he apparently wants us to drive a little still. All right? Make that a functional statement, not a theological statement, and you'll be okay. Okay? Um, but contentment is a decision that we make regardless of the situation. It's a whole nother sentence you could write down if you were writing stuff down and were worried about the final exam later. Contentment is a decision you make in your situation or regardless of your situation. Okay? Um, that's learned behavior, folks. That's difficult. That takes practice. Figuring out how to keep the first thing first. Uh, We get that in verse 11. That's a great verse on that. Verse 13 and 14 tells us this. Capacity is only limited by you if Jesus is involved. Capacity is only limited by you if Jesus is involved. What? What is that? Where did you get that? Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, that's a phrase that rewritten in a different language in our modern day terminology. Um, that means you've got capacity. Capa- what's capacity? You have ability. You can accomplish. You can be effective. In fact, all of you are by design. You know this? Like the factory output of all of you, you are all perfect products. And Jesus signed off and said, this product, expected by Jesus, boom, went out on the market. I'm sorry, we have to do some materialism um, analogies because it's the holidays. Um, Your ability is already innate. It's within you. What brings it out then? Your decision and your belief. He created you to accomplish things. So what's the only thing limiting that? Your doubt, your fear, your limited thinking. You guys just expand the possibilities. I had a, um, I think it was government. It might have been world civilizations. I don't know. It was one of those junior high classes where it's a requirement, but nobody really knows what it is. And I'm in this class. We had a great teacher. It was so long ago that I have yet to remember his name. I just remember he was like about the reddest head guy you've ever met, thick hair. And this, you know what I hate about redheads? They never lose their hair. You ever ever met a balding redhead? No, it doesn't happen. He had this amazing red hair and he had this massive red mustache. 
He was awesome. And it wasn't like his hair and his looks, but his intellect. The guy was a thinker and he taught us how to think. And he told us this story and I've remembered it to this day. And we're going to tell you this story because of my junior high teacher and how it expands the idea that you need to be open to more possibilities and be more creative in what you think is possible. Military trials, an officer comes in, he's trying to pass, he's in front of tribunal, a, a committee, Ask him these test questions. Come in, sits down on the, on the stool, and they start peppering him questions, see if he can qualify to get to the next level of officership. Sir, are you ready for the test? Yes. All right, here's the scenario. Please tell us how you would handle this. You are in the middle of the desert, and you begin being attacked, shot on, taking live fire from a battleship. What do you do? The guy sitting on the stool is like, wait, I'm in the desert? I'm in the desert, but I'm getting shot at by battleships. Like, I don't know. Thank you, sir. Head on out the door, send in the next candidate. Next guy comes in, sits down, same thing. You're in the desert, you're being taken live fire from a battleship, what do you do? He thinks about long enough, they say, sorry, sir, time's up. Exit out the other door, send in the next candidate. Third guy comes in, any guesses on whether he's going to do well? There's always the, it's always the third guy, right? Hey, you're in the desert, uh, you're being shot at, uh, you're the battleship and the whole thing, what do you do? Without blinking, he says, I sink it. I mean, how do you sink it, sir? With my submarine. I'm sinking your battleship with my submarine. And one of the guys in the panel says, where'd you get the battleship, or when'd you get the submarine? He says, same place you got the battleship. Bam! Love that. Makes no sense, but he just runs with it. Guess who got promoted? Right? Uh, we've got to think outside the box. Can you? Yes. How? With him. How'll he do it? Give you strength. But I am yet to see it. Oh, that's not part of the equation. Nowhere does it say... And Christ will show you all things and let you see them ahead of time, and you will be the greatest prophet of all time. Is that promise ever anywhere? Say no. Right? Now see, you shall know the truth, that's future, and the truth in the future will let you free. What's that mean for right now then? You don't get to see anything right now, you just get to obey, you get to start doing. Right? So stop limiting your uh, capacity and get Jesus involved. Uh, lastly, uh, God, is, God is the supply chain for need. I couldn't help it, folks. I, I, the last verse, last couple verses, it's like how he'll supply your every need, right? According to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He's the supply chain. Um, he decides where it comes from and he decides where it's going and who gets it. Whoa. Um, so let me ask you this. Do you have needs? Uh, yes. Do you have wants? Is God paying attention? Does he have the ability? Um, what's the holdup? Why is there a supply chain problem in the promises he's given you? Or, or, do you have the ability currently to recognize that he's already supplying it? You're already in process. Your need solution is in transit. And you simply need to learn how to believe and enjoy until you see the late rain. I'm going to be stuck on that phrase for a while. Paul talked about it a couple chapters ago, the idea that a harvester has to wait. No matter what he does, he has to wait for the late rain for the crop to fully come to fruit. Maybe your late rain's still waiting. Uh, maybe you've had a few late rains and you've had some deliveries and you've had some needs met and you're so busy on your current needs that you've forgotten. You're distracted by what he has supplied already, what he has done already, what that says about him and his character. 
and what this whole season coming is about. His promises and his provision. And then somebody want to say happy holidays to you. Come on. Right? Have some fun with it, folks, because God has promises for you. Contentment, capacity, and need. Supply a need. Great news. Amen? Um, who's, who's on board? You guys on board with this, right? right? If you're not on board, you just got to ask him. Like, how do you make the team? It's the easiest tryout ever. Right? We cut kids. Like, they try out and they're like, oh, no, he's gonna, shoes don't even match. They send him home, right? Uh, no, in this one, you just sign up. And bam, you're on the team. No cuts. Greatest sport ever. Dave. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for um, how we can all experience this. Thanks for the promises and what they mean. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to learn, give us perspective, new definitions. Uh, do that in spite of the things that we see in some of our environments or our situations. Uh, but Lord, uh, teach us faith so that we can know what is contentment, regardless of what's going on around us, regardless of what we can or cannot see. And then, Lord, may we have faith that you will meet our needs. That wants are different. But you know them both. And more importantly, you know us. May we hold on, draw near to that, Lord. And then we ask that you would draw near to us. Father, be with us in this season shine light on the opportunities that each of us have in all of our situations to glorify you and the riches in your son. I'll be here this morning. You never made that decision or you're watching online. You could say it this way. If you need to start that relationship with, with Lord, you can just say, God, today I draw near to you, draw near to me. help me start learning. Father, we thank you for those who choose you. We pray for those who are yet to choose you. And we thank you for the offering that we're about to receive. And we pray that we, you would use it towards your promises. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God show you and may you learn that he keeps all of his promises. Amen. Go with him.